Greetings, all you habitats for divinity, you carriers of the flame, you manifestors, mighty, mystical, righteous realities. This is the Supernaturalist Podcast Show. Yes, and today we're talking about gender, rapture, yoga, comma, hell, comma, President Trump and the church. And what on earth are we talking about when we say kingdom? which is like this trending word right now that we think is cool because it means beyond Sunday morning local church context. This is a 90-minute convo with the woman of fire, Bonnie Shavda. Now, Dr. Bonnie Shavda is the daughter of cattle ranchers from New Mexico. A dramatic encounter, not with UFOs, but with the Holy Spirit himself at the age of 10, radically transformed Bonnie's life, bringing Christ and his purposes her number one reality. Bonnie is a wordsmith, carefully crafting her words with honest, courageous, and charismatic flair. Her exuberant passion is married to a poetic grace that can be experienced as equally powerful through the pages of her books as her heart-capturing atmospheres created in her sermons. I believe that Bonnie is a modern-day, spirit-filled Charles Haddon Spurgeon, yet Better looking and perhaps unlike Spurgeon, carries a revelation on the portals that are opened in the spirit through speech, breath, sound, and preach. With an undeniable word ethic and a track record of faithfulness, Bonnie doesn't cower to what's popular in any realm. Her desire is for purity and true justice to reform the landscape of what's been perhaps trending in the charismatic scene. There's only one Bonnie Shavda on the earth. And in this podcast, we dive into the things that you've at least thought about and maybe questioned. In this podcast, we're not going to tell you how to think. No. We will ask questions, we'll share our opinions, and at the end of the day, you'll need to search the scriptures, pray, seek the Lord in your own Christian community to formulate your own opinion. This is such an enjoyable dialogue, and I'm so grateful that Bonnie would let me kidnap her for two hours during an intense women's conference schedule. Please take the time and check out shavdaministries.org. So, into what Jesus is doing through the Shavdas in the ministry, and check out the numerous resources that Bonnie and Mahesh have created to activate and empower you in your faith. Before we take this free thought leap together, I just want to ask you if you do me a fave of fave and rate and review this podcast on iTunes. You see, when it comes to iTunes, reviews are podcast fuel. It's like adding gas to the fire. We need gas, and you got it. Yes, you got gas. Yep, the Darren, <laughs> the DarrenShow.com. It's a shortcut to get you to our iTunes page quickly and efficiently. The what? It's TheDarrenShow.com. Please join the generous many who have carved their thoughts into the tree of iTunes podcast reviews. You can give it one star and that means that you think we have a fantastic opportunity to improve or you can give it five stars, which that means that you believe this is the best thing since the Netflix app. I'd like to thank you in advance. You guys are amazing. High five. Ah! (laughs) And also keep the emails and messages coming. I find them so encouraging. Now, without any more distractions, let's dive into this conversation with the one and only Bonnie Shavda, right here, right now on the Supernaturalist Podcast Show. Let's go. 
connecting, equipping, and promoting emerging supernaturalists. Maybe <laughs> created for such a time as this. All right, and here we go. <laughs> there is more. He said, what? Bonnie, how you doing? Very well, thank you. Awesome, awesome, Terrific awesome. to be up here with you in Seattle. And you've been uh, women's comping it up? We have been comping it up, and you're first from what I understand, and it, it has been absolutely cosmic. What, what's been like the, a highlight, would you, would you say? Or oh, no, no, let's go this way. Like, what's one of those things that like has caught you off guard? Something that's like surprised you, something that you weren't expecting? The utter 110% engagement of every person who has come and together as a corporate you know thing with the way you guys are hosting and then just smack down with the anointing that's on the worship sets it, it really I've heard has that. been i've heard that the worship has just gone to a, another level this weekend that believe me i was in the two sets so far and it was the sound the the sound you know there's that there's that there is a vibration in the voice of the Lord mm. that is beyond words of human language and or even knowledge and stuff like that, but it's his presence. And our bodies and our, our psyches and our spirits can hear him in a different way than if we're, you know, translating language and stuff. And you guys, the sound is here. I mean, the sound is here. When I when I tuned in last night just to see how it was going, it was like, I, what time was it? Close to eleven, mm. and, and I turned it on, and uh, and it and it was like it was like freaky, like when you hear it on. I don't know if that's what it sounded like, like, like but cool, right? Like, uh, but listening in, it was just. You could hear all all the voice. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was really something else. Yeah. I mean, they, you know, sometimes like you have to be in the atmosphere to really, mm -hmm. you have to be there. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure it was like that last night. Mm -hmm. But even just watching it online, it was, it was, it was, it was coming through. It was coming off the screen, and I was like, "Well, what is going on? Like, this is it's it's super intense. Just that sound and, and the participation. They were yeah. doing different camera shots of, throughout the room." And the whole room was participating in creating that sound. That That's absolutely correct. And uh, listen, I want to give a big shout out and a kudos to you in terms of your your faithfulness and your leadership here, the DNA that you haven't, you know, kept to yourself and, you know, kind of <laughs> built up this great, but it is so multiplied out into all of these amazing individuals that you have got a thriving orchard of empowered persons rising up here. And especially in a context of a women's, women's saying, I really want to say how much I appreciate. It wasn't, you know, all pink flowers and fluffy stuff. It was empowered. <laughs> Powered sons of God awesome, in awesome. you know women's <laughs> you know mortal bodies. So so good job. Oh, that's awesome. I, now I would, <laughs> I would ask you about like, potpourri everywhere. You know, uh, yeah. like, uh, no, there's nothing wrong. Uh, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with potpourri. It, it's not about potpourri anymore. That it, now it's about the oils and everything. You know, but in the old days, you used to be able to go to Christian bookstores to buy potpourri. Remember that? You oh, go in and oh, oh get a, yes. You can get your Kincaid painting, your, your potpourri, and like make it stop. I <laughs> Healing of memories and deliverance and, and your, all those things. Your pink Bible cover, you know. So. 
Yeah. Oh, so I want to so ask you, like, so because there's a lot happening actually um, with women just in our nation right now, right? So there's, and it's, it's really interesting. You had this whole, uh, you had the like the women in white linen at the at the uh, the president's address to the nation, and that was like a protest that we're staying for women's rights and and uh, what's happening with the fight for abortion, which is very very polarized. I like, guess just super intense. But um, but but and then there's what the Lord is doing in the church, which is really which is really interesting. It was last weekend and we were in worship and I actually saw this picture in the spirit. And um, what I saw was like, there was the, the battle line. And we've heard this reference before, of mm. course, women on the front lines. But this was really different. Um, I saw this woman and, and her face was painted like Braveheart, like oh, blue God. paint all over. And her, her hair was like blonde, crazy, wild and big. And she was screeching almost like an eagle. She had like this eagle screech. Just, and it was the most like uh, terrifying uh, yet holy and righteous sound, and it was the sound of war. And she was leading all these women. And then the next kind of picture I saw was of a man um, weeping because the because the, the the holiness of God that was coming like it was almost like the, there was like a repentance that I saw. It was basically a man underneath the spirit of conviction and repentance because of this holy anointing, and, and, and it just started to. I thought, Lord, you're really doing something. This is one week before our women's conference, and I wasn't wow. even I wasn't even thinking wow. about our women's mm-hmm. conference or anything, right? And, and and that's when I realized, God, you are about to. There's about to be uh, a new battle. It's like a new battle. Mm-hmm. It's like a, and it's a yeah. new sound yeah. and it's a new fight. Yeah, and it's gonna be far more fierce than what I would have ever Absolutely. expected. Absolutely, because cat fights are that way. <laughs> and this is power <laughs> against power for real. Anointing against anointing, Christ, Antichrist. And there wow. is nothing that is more abominable, more abnormal, more twisted, perverted, evil, and violent than women fighting for the pride to celebrate murdering innocent, wow. unborn women. Wow. Just step back for a minute. And that's what we've come to now. It is clearer than ever before. And these battle lines are new ones because they've been nuanced in the past. They've been religionized in the past. But now we are talking about mere human brutality and the, the very identity of woman in the image of God as a creator and protector and nurturer and giver of life kind of a thing, it's, it's down to the wire now. It's bone on bone. And so it's wow. a very exciting and uh, strategic time. And a lot, of, uh, a lot of pressure in the past has come from the spirit of witchcraft. The church has cowed to that. But I am seeing women with a clear eye and a pure heart and a gregarious, loving persona, but we're clear. We're clear on this, and nobody's co-opting womanhood anymore. Wow, wow, that's so good. And I'm curious, in your context of, of ministry, what does the whole gender conversation look like? I mean, in, like how, um, uh, how involved are you in even just the discipleship or in the communication and bringing langu- language to your own culture? Um, or... or is that a, is that something that you that you try to keep your pulse on and 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 to be speaking into or um, yeah. what does that look like as far <laughs> as gender clarification and and just communication and, and our involvement in society within your guys's context of community yeah um, there there are several levels and several levels of engagement and experience uh, up to up to date 
but it's growing to more and more of a center point mm-hmm. of um, social conversation and all of that. Um, in our uh, personal sphere, these questions were at the heart of some big political moves and legislation and international press that came to our city uh, a few years ago. Hmm. And so we've had some experience in terms of how this whole thing works to encroach into a community and begin to put its restrictions and demands on all families for the sake of a few um you know, in the minority and more than ever before, it is time for healthy families to step forward, to step up and to stand for the well-being of whole communities, which means we don't segregate off and make let the tail wag the dog, so to speak. Right, right. But we create a whole environment where all boats rise, all families can be blessed. And that is a very inclusive one. But you can it's it's like trying to deny the law of gravity and say, well, I can jump out this window if I want to and I can fly. And then you find out, no, you can't, actually. The law of gravity is there. Mm -hmm. And what we need as a cornerstone in our society is a real revival of healthy families. Amen. And healthy families have fundamentals that create healthy families historically. And uh, uh, America's kind of in its own little bubble Mm -hmm. um, and has tried in the past decade to impose these very progressive social agendas on governance and peoples in other nations. And they're like, are you kidding me? Don't don't even come here with that stuff. So there's there's a kind of arrogance that um, that the American progressive political agendas have been um, sort of vaunting themselves in. And it's come home to individual families' front doors in America now. And the women, of all <laughs> things, yep. are going to be the ones that are leading the way, say, saying, no, uh-uh, no, you can't have my children. And we know why we're here, and we know the appointment for the future betterment of humanity and the globe. We know what our appointment is, and that's what we're going to put in our kids. Um, yeah, amen. In terms amen. of dealing with it, We need the wisdom and the presence of the person of the Holy Spirit. And one of the stories that really brought this home to me personally is is to understand that that on a very personal level, now I'm talking about big picture for national agendas and then how you lead a church Mm -hmm. and how a church interfaces in its city and all that stuff. But then there's there's the thing of one-on-one, and that takes on a whole different story when you're individual speaking to individual and, and dealing with a scenario of, of gender uh, crisis, identity crisis. Um, I, I was asked to be the big wrap-up speaker in a big political rally that was celebrating the victory of a particular party and candidate and all of that kind of sure, stuff. Sure, sure. And I had been very careful not to allow myself to be pigeonholed or identified in our community because our mission there is wider. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's all boats rise, you know, this, the city prospers sure. without compromising, but in, in stack building on our fundamentals of the kingdom of God, mm. but being able to, to put them in context and language and finding places of influence and wisdom with our governance. But anyway, um, I was asked to give this speech, and I said, nope, sorry. And the Lord came back and said, oh, yes, you will. I want you to give it. So I asked him. He helped me put the thing together. I was able to really edify and affirm and bless 
and fulfill what I'd been asked to do. But in that same context, it was an open air rally and there was a whole group of demonstrators and stuff that, you know, it was the same old political shtick sure. that we see going on everywhere. Sure, sure. And when I finished and came down off of the dice, this uh, one of the lead protesters had sort of jumped the barrier and was marching vehemently straight for me. And I was like, well, <laughs> now what? This is exactly what I, you know, had hoped to avoid. And um, this individual came up. And to make a long story short, uh, engaging this person in conversation, um, there was all the initial real vehement demands and speaking about justice and injustice and the, the, the legislature, this and that and something else. It was interesting that they assumed that I had the governmental authority mm, That is to receive all of these demands that was the first thing that spoke to me about just the presence of they Jesus. recognized it yeah yeah, yeah. There, were, there was something there and as they were speaking suddenly the holy spirit literally i could see him visibly like proceed frontward out of me and stand between me and this person wow, wow. and i could no longer see or hear all of this surface stuff i could only see and seeing through the eternal father, the eternal person that was there, that he loved and had a destiny for. And to make a long story short, we ended up engaging in a conversation wherein this individual who was identifying as a female with a long history, including uh, war veteran, um, uh, ordained pastor in a leading denomination, various married family, all of that in their history, but now identifying completely opposite to that mm -hmm. in terms of gender and all in utter confusion and brokenness. And wow. yet wow. a major leader in the legislative influential, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And um, I just put my hand on uh, his shoulder um, his, her. his, yeah, he, his, her <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and, and just looked him in the eyes sent genuinely through sure. the Lord and yeah. said, tell me your story. Wh what about you? Wow. Tell, tell me your story. Wow. wow. And I proceeded to hear this, this story that for someone outside of a dynamic loving relationship with Christ, you could totally understand this. This person is like flailing and grasping for, you know, some identity of self-expression that's a survival that they can hold on to. And uh, make a long story short, he ended up just arms around my neck, snot and blue eyeshadow running down my coat and boohooing and saying, nobody has ever, you know, treated me like this. Nobody's ever listened to me or wow. blah, 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 blah. Wow. So there are different levels of how we engage, but this one, the gender confusion that is happening in America and wants to metastasize through political and economic influence into other cultures in a new generation, we, the church has got to rise. We can't leave this as a vacuum. And it is one of the forefront ones. Absolutely, because when you think about confusion and the spirit of confusion, yeah. I mean, it, like when, even when you hear about some, some of the, the cruel... Um, uh, psychology of, of fights before two opponents get in a ring and, and they'll have somebody walk up to a fighter and be like, you've gained weight, haven't you? Just, just to plant the seed of confusion and just to, just a mess. Like, it, like when you hear it, like if somebody says to you, like, is, is everything okay? You look off. Like if somebody uh. asks you, a, if somebody asks you a question like that, 
and you're like, wait a second, and maybe I am. Am I okay? And you start questioning yourself. You start, and so when you see this, it's a it's a, an agenda in the schools mm-hmm. to say, absolutely, you know, may, maybe you're not straight, maybe you are gay. Like and these poor kids are like, maybe I'm, you know, like are are you, I, you know, yeah. like these different questions. Like you should question your, and it's and it and uh, and it, and then in the church we have a a mandate from Jesus to love. Right, like you want to nail all the laws and the and the prophets. If you really want to get it right, love God with everything you are, and then love your neighbor. Right, so we have this mandate to love. So we know that it's our mission to love, and yet we're feeling that that great tension in how do we love people, and yet how do we tell the truth without being thrown into this bigot box? Right. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. And I've, I've noticed, like, e- even here at SRC, we have a lot of wonderful people that are wrestling with sexual identity. And um, and they're honest and they're accountable and um, and they're being loved here, you know, and they really are part of the family. And when it comes to me speaking the truth from love, we're all good. They know where the church is at. They know where I'm at. And so I have found the problem hasn't necessarily been people that are wrestling with sexual identity, uh, their sexual identity. It's been with people that are straight but feel like it's a matter of it's like it's an injustice issue mm-hmm. that when i say this is what the word says this is what the this is the rhythm of god it's not a rhythm of condemnation right. this is the invitation yeah. for, you know that um that the biggest problem that i've had has actually been with straight people who feel like it, they have a war mm-hmm. you know you know and yeah. so it yeah it's, it's kind of interesting yeah yeah um, there have been too many vacuums. You and I have spoken about this before. And given my generation, you know, my particular history, I lived through the 60s, the 70s, all of that upheaval. I lived through the charismatic mm. outpouring, yeah. through the aftermath of some of the old time, Latter Rain and Pentecostal, the fresh outpourings of Holy Spirit, evolution of the church, trying to rise out of these denominational strictures and various other things. And one of the big journeys that has happened in that same period of time is the whole uh, plethora of dynamics surrounding women's issues mm-hmm. was part of what was at the very heart of the so-called sexual revolution yeah. um, uh, in the 60s and 70s, which was simultaneous a, an outpouring of the spirit of Antichrist with the spirit of the Lord wow. in this nation. Those two things were happening simultaneously. And unfortunately, the church was boxed into old uh, cultural and religious gender role ideas. Now, yeah, yeah, get yeah. me straight yeah. when I talk about gender roles. I'm talking about women were only supposed to do certain things. Clean and then, right, yeah. <laughs> flowers, flowers, cleaning, and pies, and right. babies, right. right. And Have dinner ready. Yeah, come on. <laughs> right. Don't even go there about, you were going to say that. You, uh-uh. No, we won't go Just there stop. about the surrender. Just stop, no. stop, stop, stop. So, <laughs> but we, one of the, we are dealing now with this with this utter insanity of having some kind of a of a lens on your eyes that you you can insist on legally making a pathway for a mother to have her child murdered while still in her body or freshly out of her body and a viable, a, a real human being, but not able to call it. This is, it's complete insanity. That is a very bitter fruit. That is exactly because the church left a vacuum 
on the whole women's issues, ideas, role, placement, and that sort of thing in the 60s and 70s. And so something else filled that place. This abortion thing is a direct offspring of that and even more so the gender identity and all of the gender confusion is a direct offspring of the vacuums left by the church. So we're coming to the game late. It's kind of our history um, in the modern era, <laughs> but I believe that there is a fresh outpouring amen. of the Holy Spirit amen. to engage and find a way. Yeah, amen, amen, amen. And it is a polarizing issue. And it, it's always surprising me when I see um, people that I know, you know, sharing <laughs> things on Facebook or Instagram. I'm like that, but that's not the truth. There's no freedom in that. Yeah. No, that's not the rhythm of God. Like yeah. it, because they say this is the rhythm of love, it's the rhythm of God, but it's counterfeit love, you know. And um, so, yeah, it's a fascinating issue. It's not going away, but no, like it's you not said, going away. like uh, there is an outpouring for the church yeah. that will give us the the perspective and the energy that we need to yeah. really to really engage and to, I think engage in a healthy in a healthy way instead of like you know it, it's, it's also interesting because I know we were invited to be a part of this move here where they're looking for churches to picket the abortion clinics. <laughs> And so we were invited to to do this, and it it, was, it it incorporated some really good things like fasting and prayer, you know, for these different initiatives and such. Um, and so the conversation is: Do we include this in our in our bulletin? The invitation to go and you know, and it's funny because I, I, I was singing with my kids in the van. This is how I fight my battle, you know that song. <laughs> yeah. And I was I was singing, and then and all of a sudden I, I was singing. This is not how we fight our battles. <laughs> and I, I reach out to our elder brothers. This isn't how we fight our battles. You no. know, we do fight, yeah. but uh, but I, but at SRC we don't fight by picketing. No, we fight with our prayer, with our voting, right? Um, well, and in community engagement, that that's is an good. essential one. What does um, that What does that look like? Well, and and I'll I'll give you just an example out of what's what's going on with us. Um, beginning with what the so-called bathroom bill mm. that was introduced kind of backdoor and almost established in our city. And then um, at the last minute, people who didn't agree with it found out, uh, including people on our city council, that were going to be asked to vote up or down on it. And they hadn't been informed at all. The city wow. attorney had wow. already been tasked. The national activist groups had come in and found some channels through uh, governing persons in our city, so on and so forth. And so that whole dynamic led to one of these, you know, series of very loud and noisy switching between radical, you know, LGBTQ to radical Bible banging hell and damn fire and damnation things. Damn that fire. Damn right. that fire. Right in our city damn council. Fire. It's like, oh please. Oh my goodness. And 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 it 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 was a, a national spectacle, right? Wow. Wow. So wow. in in that context, we we started um being asked to participate in some of the conversations and awesome. the dynamics and so on and so forth. And it has just continued to grow. Then we had uh, the season of unrest, um, the riots, yeah. we had riots yeah. in Charlotte. Yeah. And when the riots hit our city, um, when we rolled into the second day, I said, not on my watch. I, I will not wow. sit here in wow. my safe house on the edge of my city when pa evil powers are co-opting innocents and vulnerables 
and taking advantage of our most disenfranchised, most vulnerable communities to try and burn the town down. And I said, uh uh, I'm I'm not going to leave that vacuum. So we went and encouraged a bunch of other pastors and believers and stuff. We just marched into the middle and the thick of it and just started engaging people one on one. And at the same time, had intensive prayer and fasting on the peripheral and, you know, there in the dynamic going. That's awesome. And with That's the help awesome. of God, we, it, it turned. It went, it went away. It turned and went away. But those um, kind of events have continued to roll in upon us in waves. And in all of that, one by one by one, we've, we've gotten to know people engaged in conversations. It's come to a point now where we've actually been asked to design and then populate uh, an ambassador's program to bring people, Christians, out of the faith community into engagement in our city with our police department and various other things. So I can tell you, it doesn't need to take a long time, but you have to be ready to engage people one-on-one. You have to be clear on where you stand and why you stand there, but we need the right kind of language. We really need God's language. That's right. And the big picture is all families are blessed, all boats rise, our city is a beautiful city of peace. Amen. So you have to find your way in your town. You have to find your way. It's as unique as a marriage or a, a personal relationship with Jesus or something. The, the church in a city has to know what God is doing in the city and how he's addressing and engaging amazing, the Bonnie. issues there. You're amazing. You're, you're Bonnie. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> Bonnie. I'm in front of this mighty Superman poster all over the wall. Bonnie, you are a delight. <laughs> Um, I know that you've been so you you have been very involved, you know, politically, and, and, and I hope it's okay to go here. I, yeah, I want to I want to go right. I want to kind of lean into this political thing because I don't get to do that very often with with people that I get to chat with. But um, yeah, I've been watching this whole thing with the investigation, the Mueller investigation, yeah. and just watching um, these uh, the community that President Trump surrounded himself yeah. with being picked off one one yep. by one by one. And that uh, that Moeller, like that guy, is intense. Like I've, I've heard about some of his, some of the, the previous cases yep. that, that he um, and people that he even prosecuted, mm-hmm. you know, in, um, where it wasn't correct, correct, and the judge, correct. But he is, completely ruined them. Their he's like their a families, their he's like a careers. Bull, you know to prison some of them before it was actually able to be disclosed that they weren't actually guilty. Yeah, so there's like, a, I would a not huge want terror. His, yeah. I would not want his, you know, I, and I was I, like, I was just thinking about how do you like if your community, your, your the people that you brought close to you, if they're being taken out one by one, right. you know? And so there, there is this, it's, it's very tense and there's the whole, and, and, it, and everything's so split right now between the left and the right. And of course, um, uh, just being, a, <laughs> I hope this is okay, just being a follower of Christ and being conservative in my own views as far as, you know, it, uh, gosh, from economics to sexuality to, you know, all these different things. Um, seeing someone like President Trump, who I'm applauding his policy, but also <laughs> wrestling. <laughs> Tremendously with his character. Yeah, I noticed you didn't have one of those balloons out there, you know, <laughs> in the parking lot. No, I'm kidding, you, Darren. <laughs> it's, it's like, and it's and it's in it's difficult because I think that people that are uh, 
you know, there are almost there are Christians that are almost like worshipers of of, of Trump in one hand, mm-hmm. where it's almost like anything negative mm-hmm. is is fake news. Like mm-hmm. they can't subscribe to anything negative. But I think that like just being what I would call realistic, <laughs> um, uh, there certainly are character type issues. I know in the church within, gosh, just the last 15 years, there has been a new message and the message in the church is, hey, that's great that you have power. But if you don't have character, we can't we can't promote you. Right. Like because, gosh, I mean, just I mean, but it took a long it's taken a long time for us to come into that it's taking a maybe and we're not even there yet we're still wrestling with that with that tension of look at yeah yeah sure he's got character issues but look at the power they want you know you know what i'm saying so when it comes to this uh tension when it comes politically between um power and character and and it's just something that i've been i've been wrestling with as i'm uh, as we lead prayer initiatives Mm -hmm. for president trump but also, in, in the greater perspective, it's greater than President Trump. It's, it's about the United States of America. Right. And my fear of somebody representing us with evangelical Christians, representing us as conservatives, if something hits the fan, the, the, uh, how that pendulum could swing to, to a radical extreme. That you know, and, and not that we want to operate from fear, but it is something that I've been... Uh, so, what do you yeah. what do you think? I mean, do you do you ever find yourself wrestling with with some of these? Well, I I I did um, in for a short period of time directly because there were some direct impacts mm. on what we were doing, who we were engaging, and you know that sort of thing. Yeah. But my number one, my perspective in kind of a wider way. Yeah is that the church at large in America, especially the spirit-filled church, and you could say the evangelical church, but I'm I'm talking more about the people who are really radical, pressing into God, hungry, or are are from a standpoint of their Christian worldview, are really aggressively engaged in conservative politics. Maybe more the even the prophetic kind of stream? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah sure, yeah. sure. And what I've noticed is the message of the gospel rides these four to eight-year waves that crest (laughs) and recede. And I find that to be a little off, frankly. (laughs) And the the way that I look at the big crisis point is that with... In one to five years, we'll we'll be on to something else anyway. Sure, <laughs> so sure, sure. It's a, 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 we we need to be um, relationally and fundamentally and gospel harvest wise, kingdom wise, engaged at a more of a long term mission vision for, for yeah, our amazing. nation yeah. that brings some kind of perspective and stability to the whole dynamic in terms of how we interact with each election election cycle and the political hoopla or fallout you know that's coming from it at the same time i also think that we're witnessing a real upgrade in the the spirit-filled church especially at large recognizing the positioning and real spiritual authority that we've been given we are actually seated in the governance throne of heaven and i know you've had that language for a few generations (laughs) but i think we're in a generation that is starting to actually understand and walk in it to some degree and in that context we have got to 
be strong and clear in the cosmic realm about the spiritual destiny of America's place among nations, our mission among nations, also understanding our history, the involvement of God in the progress of America, and take our cues from that, get some, you know, some compass point from that, and then tell our story, tell our story better. And I, one of the things that we're losing, we're losing generations because they're changing school so much that there's no more, there's no American story anymore. Interesting. And it's, it's like everything else. If there's a story, it's how bad we are. Well, you don't raise a child that way. You don't raise a healthy child by telling them what all their faults are, how bad they are, how they're going to fail, how they're this, how they're that. No, 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 no. That's not that's not what you do. We need to be telling our children in our public schools and our private schools from our pulpits in Sunday school and in our homes the good story of how America that's has, awesome. has come to where it's at and who we really are. What a great what a great point because all most most of the documentaries that are coming out on the history of America are always a retelling of the actual story and it's all negative. The whole thing is is a it's a it's a reframing of America's history. Yeah. And uh, and and what's the point of that, <laughs> you know? Um, what kind of fruit does that bring? No, that's true. And and one of the fallacies is that we tend to throw a, you know, a 2020 perspective, worldview justice and justice perspective on to people who were living in the, you know, 1600s, 1700s, 1800s, early 1900s. You cannot use those ki- these kind of social standards and mores and properly view the events and conclusions and the dynamics that were, you know, that were occurring then, especially politically and legislatively. So there, yeah, uh, uh, and you know, I might as well throw it in there since we're at this at this juncture. But um, for me, the recognition of, for instance, the First Nations reservations mm, mm. in the middle of this continent, it's all too easy for average Christians who have zero relationship, zero context or interaction with any of the tribal people on any of the reservations. There's a massive swath of our land mass that are native reservations, and there are whole communities of people that aren't generally included in the national narrative. For Christians and for the kingdom, they're a part of that. Um, so uh, we're, I, I, I know with all my heart that God has intended this to be a multicolored tapestry of beauty that has a redemption story. And we need to find our place in that, find our voice in that. Amen. Amen. And I love what you're saying. I mean, I, 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 one of the things that I think is happening in the church right now is that um, parents, is, is going back to the family. Yeah. The revival of the family, yeah, yeah, and and the idea that we are like, yes, we are called to disciple nations, but it, it needs to begin in our homes. It right. needs to begin with our children. So that it's the role of parents to educate their children. You know, we put our kids in a private school, and they were really trying to sell us on their biblical education. We finally just stopped them and just said, "Hey, look, we're we're sure you have a great Bible program here, but our children's theology is being built at home." Our children's there understanding of scripture is being yeah, built at home. Go. So tell us about your math program. <laughs> right. You know, tell, you know, tell us about your English program, your reading program. Right. Because that's what matters, you know, because we are intentionally shaping our children's spiritual spiritual lives. And it's great that you're gonna you're gonna help that. 
But I really think that um, what this idea of creating the story, mm-hmm. and that it's the parents' role to be yeah. telling to be telling the story, and it, and and we can tell the truth. We don't have to censor it, and our children get to ask the difficult questions. We get to answer it, and I think just with our honesty and with our transparency, um, and and with the proper worldview, um, there's there's a beautiful there's a beautiful thing that we can do in our in our homes, um, so that so that our kids. So our kids' worldview isn't being shaped by just whatever education system they're being placed under. You right know, on. Our, our children. Yeah, I, right there, on. There's this idea that our children are 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 growing up underneath this system, and they shouldn't be. Our, we should place our children over. They should. Right they on. should understand that in the spirit, they're over the education. Yeah. You know, and so there's yeah. there's different things we've told our kids. Hey, you, you don't have your homework done. That's fine. We we've placed this as a priority over your education. You know, anyways. It's awesome. <laughs> right. Listen, you you guys you guys out. are yeah. You you guys are you you really are a pioneer and there's so many things about your personal history and your legacy and what you're doing here and then the fruit of it. And I'm you know, I have the privilege, thank God you you know, we're we're friends and you still invite me back and I make this yeah. big assumption that we're actually real family. <laughs> But watching the evolution of SRC and the people here and the numbers of empowered, really flourishing, intelligent, talented, engaged, engaged in the community and fruit producing men and women and a younger generation coming in too now, more and more uh, of the of the young folks. You you guys are pioneering something. You're you're holding a line or drawing a line or creating a path or something in this area. And it's a global gateway. So the significance of you, your life, the effect of your life and this community here cannot be understated. Wow. Amen. Thanks, Bonnie. That's all. That's awesome. I receive it. I receive it. <laughs> hey, I want to ask kind of another pastoral kind of question. I love, I just love that, that you and Mahesh are like, you guys are these legendary glory pioneers <laughs> and yet you're pastors. You guys are pastors, yeah. you know, and that's so, that's so rare. Um, and so I just love being able to have the conversation with Pastor Bonnie, you know, <laughs> but, um, but I, I find this interesting. So um, it's like an, another cultural issue, another kind of church culture type issue. But it may be interesting coming from somebody who's actually married to an Indian, right? So uh, an, American Indian, an American. Okay, I'm sorry, an American. <laughs> an American. Come on, Darren. You know what he says, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Born yeah. in Mombasa, Kenya, naturalized American citizen makes him an African American. Uh, African-American. Yeah, right. But yeah. however, because his parents, <laughs> Hindu background, East Indian parents, he is a naturalized American. And that makes him an American Indian. Sorry. Correction. Yeah. yeah, correct, yeah. <laughs> James Pauls. Uh, anyway. But here, oh, here's my question. Yes. We yeah. have a biracial marriage. My kids are all halvesies. They don't look like it. And they have all experienced reverse racism. It, it's... it's okay. <laughs> Okay, well, I'm not going there. I'm not. I, I'm going. I knew you were. I'm messing with you. Sorry. Uh, so, yoga. <laughs> I love you. You're amazing. Okay, <laughs> let me tell you what we did with our kids. Okay, because this actually feeds into this. Yeah. This thing. I have no idea which way you want me to answer this, but I'm just no. I, answer you. I just yeah, any way you want. You know. So, um, we we have two sons as well as two daughters, and our boys were um, and are, they're very manly men, but they were never the aggressive jock kind of guy. And so both of them, um, our, our eldest first, 
and then our, our younger son, both of them experienced being bullied at school in spite of private Christian and this and that and something wow, else. Wow. And we, in fact, mother, I got the idea of putting my oldest son into Taekwondo martial arts. And so I looked around and I found a, a, a school where the father over the school and the main instructor and stuff was a committed believer, really good guy, high quality, high character, and an excellent school in the actual art. Mm. And I put my son in Taekwondo and it completely changed his otherwise school experience and history what it would have been in relation to, you know, the whole bullying scenario. And actually, he he got an opportunity to, you know, use his Taekwondo on some bullying <laughs> jocks. Some people in their place. And yeah. it <laughs> fixed the scenario. So that that was that was Praise really interesting. Lord. But yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but in that whole context, if you can imagine this was oh gosh, this was back in would have been in the um, early 80s wow. when that was, you know, the big Dobson folks on the family. We failed all of the Dobson, <laughs> you know, do all this stuff with your family. They yeah. F, F, F all yeah. across the way. But anyway, <laughs> people would be scandalized when I would, they're my, my son and he's being bullied and they put him in Taekwondo. I can <gasps> martial arts. You don't, you know, demonic, 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 demonic. That was a very taboo thing during the 80s. Oh, my gosh. Completely so. Interesting. Likewise, with yoga, let me tell you something. Yeah. The human body well, is you know, the human body. In the 80s, like, and this is where I've been struggling because, like, um, so there's been a conversation that's been coming up, right? And then it's kind of like it's uh, how in a church culture do you have these conversations, these different <laughs> kinds. But for me, I was a child of the 80s, right? So when I was growing up, there were a lot of rules th that – the and I, I've had this conversation with my parents, right? But there's a lot of rules, and the explanation wasn't really didn't satisfy my curiosity. <laughs> and it was almost more of like, like, no, we're part of the AG brand, mm. and we've 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 signed on to the AG brand. So even though biblically, there's not really any sort of direct verses that are referring to the covenants that were signed. And I'm not dissing. I'm just saying this is what I grew up in. So there's yeah, no, yeah, there's no going yeah. to movies, you know, uh, there was no like, <laughs> like bowling. There was no like, anything worldly, like, like, you know, that could look worldly. And then all of a sudden few things human. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. But then renewal of 94 yeah. blessing yeah. And, and like, and, and with that, there was, there was, there was major mindset shifts and changes and, and, and we just, you know, but even as a kid, a lot of this stuff didn't feel right and settle like, you know, especially when it came to TV shows, yeah. you couldn't watch transformers because they transform, which I still don't really, <laughs> right. maybe a demon makes them transform. I don't know. I don't know. But, uh, so anyways, so with that in my background, when it comes to maybe making rules or sit, you know, mm. but I know that yoga gets way more sketchy because when you go to India, it's not, it's not these yoga mamas and yoga pants. Doing it. It's these crazy skinny demon guys doing crazy, yeah. you know, like, yeah. you know, it's a different deal, you yeah. know. And, and so when you have people that come from India and they know Indian yoga versus yuppie mama yoga. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? Um, and I hope I'm not offending <laughs> You're the best. For all you yuppie mama yogi persons out there, take no offense. <laughs> you know, we don't want, Yeah. Um, our view is that the human body is the human body 
and spirituality has a source. Yeah. So you can easily draw a very clear line between what you do for breathing, stretching, detoxing, uh, elongating, strengthening your core, and all of those things with yoga practice, the physical exercise of it is brilliant. Mm. And some of the healthiest for the actual human body systems that mm -hmm. there is. So then it's a matter, and, and frankly, our introduction to even being able to entertain the conversation came through our experience with the Taekwondo scenario. And Taekwondo, it's the art of hand and foot. And it's literally, the it's nothing supernatural that empowers people to do those amazing sure, things. Sure. My, you know, my son, God bless him, he was a chubby little kid that had hardly any muscle mass. But he learned there's certain alignment that you put in your bones that get in a little bit of power behind it. And you're able to do some pretty amazing things like Superman here on the wall. And at the same time, we didn't put him in one that followed the mantras and the philosophies and the declarations and the pronunciations that would accompany other uh, schools of the same art. We put him in one where the body practice was there and the spiritual source atmosphere and the persons instructing were all believers. And there was no mixture or confusion on that. Yeah. So for us, it worked. And frankly, my husband is uh, a, a major exorcist. And, <laughs> <laughs> and he has... Uh, had tremendous benefit he's had he's had one thing he's had is a prolonged back problem and some of the best exercises for elimination of pain and elongating and detoxing of muscle tissue and mass and all of that are are yoga uh, exercises yoga poses interesting interesting like and now yoga from what i understand the actual word means union and so the idea of bringing union between the body the soul and the spirit mm -hmm. Um, and which, which I find like and just the whole idea of in, integrating and being conscious of where your spirit is at. And to me, that 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 seems like something like that sh that should be coming from the Bible and not from you know some you know. Like, so this idea I've been fascinated with this idea of how do we integrate our spirituality? How do we inter integrate the gospel with with our body to really begin to honor? A friend of mine, like uh, uh, Arun, I was telling you about him the other day. Uh -huh. Yeah, he, yeah. He's, he's been declaring the next revival is going to be a, a revival of the body of Christ. Uh -huh. and I hear it. First I in the that. natural yeah, and I then in that. the spirit. So it's like as we learn to honor our bodies, then we're going to be really be able to honor the body of Christ and that whole, and that, which I find really, really interesting. And so, um, yeah, it, 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 is, it is fascinating, but we don't want to be ignorant we don't want to accidentally go into wrong pose and open up a portal and receive a demon <laughs> right <laughs> like where'd that one come from you know <laughs> I, I call me stilted old school whatever i know i own this vessel yeah and I know this vessel is a temple of the Holy One. Yeah. He lives here. Amen. And I also know that with his help, I will steward in terms of health and strength for longevity and function, functionality, this vessel to the best degree in order to serve him, you know, and complete the mission. I also know that he is the creator, ultimately, yeah. of all the things that make 
a human body work. And for me, it, it starts getting into funky areas where you find things that God has created and given us have been co-opted and maybe even generationally and historically co-opted by um, other spiritual uh, viewpoints or powers, frankly. Yeah. And my my stance is, uh, no, I own my body and I, you know, can put my body in whatever stretching, you know, whatever pose, breathing, rhythm, whatever, that isn't be opening me to the demonic realm, isn't opening me to the, the spiritual realm. I, I'm ruling. I'm coming from a place of ruling with taking government Lord. over your, you know. <laughs> so yeah, and I oh gosh, we li- come on. We live through the sorry the the rapture frantic hey. go into the wilderness with all of your <laughs> survivals. Come on. I want to ask you about that. I'm serious. I want to I, ask yeah, you about. Ask okay, so. <laughs> uh, so, because you, because you, 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 you were mentored underneath um, Derek Prince. Uh-huh. So, what was his eschatology? Well, Derek's eschatology um, was uh, that he held to the idea of a rapture, but the circumstance and timing of it was not something that he necessarily towed the line that went down the say back in the again the 60s 70s we had like late great planet earth right the whole right, Tim right. thing and then hollywood took it over <laughs> and just came up with all kinds of very interesting movies and now we've moved beyond into the zombie zone that's right yeah but our derek's theology and our theology frankly on the rapture is what scripture says is that apparently there will be an appearing of the Son of Man. Yeah. And we who are alive and remain on the earth will be caught up to meet him in the air. Yeah. Apparently to usher the king back into the reclamation of his creation. Yeah. And the beginning of the renewal of all things. Yeah. So yeah, there's gonna be a rapture, but not to like, you know, take us out of this ugly earth that is So you can destroy it. The snowball going into <laughs> the utter depths of hell, right? Right, right, right. It, it just it's completely anti-intuitional or something of who God is. But it's also, in my view, it's very unbiblical. I I like to look at the original mission of Israel, Mm. which was the recovery of the Edenic vision. God created the globe as a garden of delights and placed the human race in it to reproduce and flourish indefinitely. That, that was the plan. Well, some things went awry from the beginning. So then we rebooted the plan under Moses and then rebooted it again under Joshua. Fail, fail. The plan got rebooted under the incarnation of Jesus. And in his baptism, when he was baptized, obviously it was not for remission of sins or repentance. It was the new Red Sea parting. It was the new declaration of bringing the human race with our new Joshua out of the bondage of old Egypt, slave, sin, and death into our possession and the conquer, the, the, the quest to conquer the territory, i.e. earth, began then. 
and it the fulcrum of it happens in the death burial and resurrection the reason that jesus was around on the earth in his resurrected body eating drinking cooking walking talking going through walls doing all that kind of stuff was to demonstrate that there is a god's redemptive plan the original edenic vision we, it's going to be reconstituted, but reconstituted without the possibility of sin ever entering, sin and death ever entering again. And so I think that speaks directly to all of the awakenings now about heaven on earth and the experiences Amazing. of Christians in terms of the two realms meeting and all of that kind of stuff. So that's our theology. And I, I appreciate you asking me about Derek. One of the things about Derek is Derek always said this. He said, number one, if it's really the gospel, you can preach that message to any group of people in any cultural context, any language, in any region of the earth, in any era of time, and it will be the same. That's amazing. All the other stuff is stuff we add on. That's right, because that's the truth. Right. And that's where the freedom's right. at. Right. And it'll be Yeah. yeah. And and his other saying well said, was if amazing. it's if it's God, it'll stand. If it's not, eventually it'll go away. That's right. That's right. That's amazing. And the, theological trends do the same thing. I mean, when I was in my 20s, the general theology on women, nothing like it is today. So you say, well, what was the deal? I think that in God's wisdom, there are certain things that he literally unfolds in their proper, in their proper time for his best glory. So, Yeah, amen, amen. And, and, and it is interesting how... Uh, because eschatology has never been a huge priority for me. And I, and I always see the different debates and everything uh, taking place in these different forums. And I've, I've always found myself kind of making fun of the escapist, um, <laughs> but never necessarily buying buying in completely to the, the full preterist idea that right. all of Revelation has already been fulfilled. I really wrestle with that. And yet I also get triggered by the people that say you can't get the new credit card because that's the chip. That's the mark and you can't use the, can't use a Starbucks app on your phone because now you're sliding your wrist to pay for the coffee. And, you know, it's just, and, and so it, it is yeah. interesting how, how, our, how our theology uh, can really affect our, um, uh, the level of fear that can govern us. Because that's the key word. Yeah, And that is the key word. If you think back, even you think back, Darren, through our conversation today about the gender politics, the women's issues, various other things, and the theological drivers, unfortunately, kind of historically, certainly in America, in the conservative wings of things, the principal driver has been fear. Mm. That's crazy. Yeah, it is. If it really is. If we are coming from a standpoint of being seated with the king of glory in his throne with dominion over heaven and earth, what's there to be afraid of? And it's your perspective is certainly going to be, I'm reclaiming my creation. I'm reclaiming my territory. I'm reclaiming my inheritance. Yeah, because fear, the churches use fear as a as a motivator, as Completely. a as a gospel motivator. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and but the problem with that is that um, fear it it bursts quick and bright and it's hot and it brings about certain results immediately. Yeah, uh, you can sell a bunch of books immediately. Oh, but yeah. but the books aren't timeless. They're you know the, correct. They're not. They're not on. <laughs> we're, we're we're never revisiting them. So here's a picture for you. I walked into a big drugstore a couple of years ago, and you know how they'll have these big wire bins with all the like 
clearance, 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 sure. markdown. Please, we'll pay <laughs> you to take this out of the store. Right. And the, in, I mean, this thing was massive. It was like five feet by three feet by five feet. And it was completely filled to the brim with all of these little paper paperbacks of the Left Behind series. Oh, wow. And I wow. stood there and I just started laughing. I said, well, talk about Left Behind. There's a picture. <laughs> because the reality is we've moved on from that theology. And so, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of in a, in, you know, in a new, um, in a new, and I think it has to do with getting closer and closer to the appearing Amen. of the Lord. Amen. And so his light and his truth, the, the bride that's going to rise to meet him in the air, you know is is gonna be is getting ready for him my goodness and she's not some cowering old crone over there in the corner you know with her rainy day food stocks you know supply in the background i don't know yeah so by the way all of that theology is only since the 1800s i think you know that there was only one time as far as i know in my research that i've done reading and i did quite a bit of it a few years ago that there was one in the 15 or 1600s, and it was actually a political coup to try and get rid of the Pope by using the rapture idea and the, really? and the Antichrist, oh, wow. marking the Pope as the Antichrist. So that this whole kind of genre arose once as a, as a political coup type thing interesting, in terms of interesting. theology. But it, it wasn't held to by the church fathers. It's not there in any of the other writings historically down through the church. And it didn't come about until the late 18, early 1900s um, uh, in the UK and America. Wow. So this whole rapture theology. At the same time as Mormonism. Hell, well. <laughs> I, <laughs> Two impartations to America, rapture theory and Mormonism. <laughs> listen, if... if <laughs> You know you're in the right place in the right time when Jesus comes back if you're a Mormon because he's coming back to America. (laughs) (laughs) So everything's going to work out fine. (laughs) Is it true within the the Jewish context that they don't have any grid for end times? Is, is, Is that true, do you know? Well, I, I think the Jewish theology is still obviously around the Messiah, the Davidic fulfillment of the, the Davidic kingdom, the vision for the Davidic kingdom, and the coming of Messiah and ultimately global peace where the Jews rule. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not well, anyway. That's fantastic. <laughs> Especially if you're Jewish. One day we will rule the world. Yes. Uh, um, but... Uh, they're 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 waiting for their messiah and then unfortunately it's just like christian denominations within the sects of judaism some believe doing certain things will bring the messiah and some other ones believe doing those same things or holding the messiah off i wonder if they have like their own their own kind of mystics like their own kind of like prophets that are like he's coming in the year 2035 oh yes they do some of the hasidic the the hasidic communities absolutely um they they had a guy that they thought for many years was the messiah and he lived for a very long time and then when he died they sort of had to start their vision over again (laughs) i'm sure he lived well though (laughs) Yeah, you lived in Brooklyn. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> you probably had like Darren. The, you probably had like the best podcast. cable. You probably had like the best cable package. <laughs> wow, that is awesome. You had all the channels. That is awesome. Uh, did we? Did we? 
<laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. So yeah, I believe in the rapture, but I don't believe in it in the left behind antichrist take over the world yeah. thing. At yeah. All. And you know, the, you know what we haven't talked about? We haven't talked about hell. Oh, okay. What do you think about hell? Hey, hell's fascinating. Come on. I've been thinking about hell. Let, talk to me a little bit, and I'll, I'll let, let's talk about this a bit. This is this is good. This it's is a, fun. It's a really interesting con- conversation, and and I will say that I'm not well read on hell, but I remember. <laughs> <laughs> That's a classic. Story. Yeah, yeah. So I, I so really that so about. I'm really so you're going to have to do the majority of the talking here because I'm sure you've really studied up on it. But it is a, it's a really interesting conversation. Because um, the few people that have asked questions regarding it um, actually ended up probably going just a a very unhealthy, you know, like the long-term trajectory, not necessarily necessarily from that that conversation, but it's like that conversation led to universalism. Right. For for various people that I've seen. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, but it is something that I think about a lot. And it is something like uh, Tim Keller, who wrote um, a book, A Reason for God in an Age of Skepticism. Uh Incredible book. And he and and um, he has some really interesting stuff on on hell, and I remember one of the the the, the things that he wrote about was remember like the parable of Lazarus uh-huh. where he's he's in hell and and like he asked for water, right? Like yeah, he asked for a cup of water or something, and he didn't. Lazarus is actually in Abraham's bosom. Okay, and the scenario is the guy that is in hell is saying, "Can't you go and tell my brothers so they won't end up here?" Yeah, yeah, but he doesn't ask to get out. Like he, like he's not like get me out of here, or like there's not like even, and I, I think the direction that Tim was going was that that even if people that even if people wanted to actually leave, like that almost I think where he's going is that like hell is a choice, in the same way that the like that 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 that, and I've heard different people say this as well that you will have to you will have to read every person will have an opportunity to accept or to reject the the love of God. But that hell is a choice, and, and 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 I might just be taking that completely out of context. But something I think about quite a bit, and Let, the, the different theories, right? Yeah, like, that, like the yeah. presence of God isn't in, like hell is hell because God isn't there. But we know that the presence of God is everywhere. Like even if I was to make my bed in hell, you'd be there. So it's not the lack. So this idea that maybe even the fullness of God and his and, and maybe even his love is there, but people have just so rejected it. I, I don't know. All right, you talk now. Well, I, I think <laughs> those me, are Bonnie. all valid things. Um, the I know I keep referring to Derek, but Derek was my spiritual daddy, and he laid down some really helpful ground rules. Did he have some books on hell? Uh, I don't think Derek has a book on hell, actually. Okay. Okay. Derek's philosophy was that where the Bible talks about it, let's talk about it. Where the Bible doesn't talk about it, perhaps it's not wise to make too many conjecture. Okay. Know, make too many uh, sure. conjectures. Sure. You know, do too much trying to pick things apart. One of the areas where people have really gone awry is the whole thing of demonology and the source of demons and what they are and this and that. Because the Bible simply says, Jesus said, demons are real, I cast them out. Yeah. But going into, well, where did you come from and how many thousands of eons <laughs> and, you know, the Nephilim and whatever, yeah. all of yeah. that kind of stuff. If Identify the, yourself. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. If the Bible isn't clear on it, there, you know, there's it's it's a peripheral. It's not sure. that important. Sure. And the, the clear thing about Scripture is that at the end of the age, when time ceases to exist and persons continue 
in existence that there is a separation mm. between those who know and hold to God and whom he judges to be in eternal fellowship with him because there, there are going to be lots of people forever with Jesus in heaven who never heard the gospel, but they walked in the light that they had in the era and time that they had. And God knows them. And when they stand before the judgment seat of Christ, the righteous judge will separate between sheep and goats. And he's the only one. No man's set of rules or religious dogmas or doctrines or beliefs about the rapture or heaven or hell are going to take authority over the judgment seat of Christ. Every man will give an account. And God will judge. And that's where you know the ultimate decision point comes. Now, in terms of what... You know, what goes on after that? Frankly, I don't. So just going back to that really quick. So regarding like the whole uh, soterology, right? Like the study of salvation. Salvation. Yeah. Uh, So we believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The only Uh way to the fathers is through through him. Uh And so, and we also teach that repeat after me. Say this prayer. You don't really know what you're praying, but trust me, just say it. And if you say it, you'll go to heaven. No, you know. I, I repeat, repeat after me, bon dear. Jesus. I, I'm, I'm, tr- I'm trying you know. to find a chapter and a verse for this prayer. It's not coming to mind real quick, but I'll keep thinking well, about it. Well, the disciples all did. Jesus led them in, you know. Uh, he counted to three and they ran he, to the line. Um, but yeah, I, so like that's one of the things I've been thinking on as well is salvation. At what point are you, are you saved? You know, it, is it the moment that you believe in your heart? Or is it the moment you confess with your mouth? Or, but you, you just said something interesting. You said that there will be people in heaven that didn't say the prayer. Yeah, I totally <laughs> believe that. Yeah, and I don't see any. And that's based off of their like, based off of their like their works righteousness, or based off of like the openness. No, it's based on when that individual stands before Christ. Okay, the Judge of all. And they together review the man or the woman, the person's life history as a mortal, and the judge decides. Interesting. Wow. Boom. Yeah. Now, there are a lot of people that will be standing there, and he might just pull out the books and say, well, you know, it says here that on a certain day in a certain place, you 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 really, you know, embrace the kingdom message and hmm. so on. And, but then... Few years later, you renounce the whole, and then you started making trouble forever. And then, now let's just talk about this. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> let's go there, Bonnie. <laughs> so anyway, um, but here's the truth, Darren: human beings living on Earth are in the presence of God. Mm-hmm. Literally, we are not separated from. That's him. right. That's right. We aren't separated from Him. Right. The possibility exists that God literally will push away. And he's able to do that. I mean, I, I don't always try to you know do quantum physics or math and science and molecules on everything God does. Mm-hmm. But the possibility that the creatures, the humans made in his image and likeness, made to be an utter one communion, person to person with him for all of their experience, whether they acknowledge him in their mortal life now or not, the reality is when human beings are alive and bringing, breathing air and eating food and going about in a human body, they are experiencing the presence of God. And 
the possibility is there will be, there could be a time and a scenario that could then last indefinitely where that will be removed from them. Hmm. So think about it this way. You need air. Yeah. Suppose suddenly air ceased to exist around you and you still needed air, but you didn't die. You just continued to yes. gasp and panic and, and, you know, try and hope to grasp at survival. And it just went on like that indefinitely. I think that, you know, the, that some of the, at least the inference of those, those passages that talk about hell speak of it in a way of outer hmm. and darkness and weeping and grinding of teeth, either in anger or rage or regret or you hmm. know, whatever. And so my theology on hell is don't go there. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. If you got any chance, just don't go there. Yeah. So yeah, I I you know I understand how, for instance, the whole um, theology of purgatory arose in the Catholic Church. I mean, there's a lot of those kind of things that, in the context and in the way of thinking, they're, they're understandable in terms of how they evolve. But um, I I don't want to be separated from the one I was created to be in eternal relationship and communion with. Yeah, and I believe the Bible's pretty clear that that's a possibility. Yeah, yeah, it's it's also interesting with um, the you know the idea that we that we weren't so with I think universal atonement, <laughs> where uh, he, where Jesus died for everyone, right? And that we were we were that we're not healed upon the manifestation of the healing. Healing, we were healed on the cross two thousand years ago. In the same way, we're not saved when we say a prayer. We're saved. We were saved when Jesus died on the cross, and that what we did is we aligned our we, we aligned our will um, with the Father's will, and we stepped into our awakening as sons and daughters, and that's where we begin to be conformed into the image. Like I think, mm-hmm. if I'm saying that 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 correctly, and um, so that's that's one thing that I've that I've, that I've heard taught, which is which is interesting, but we still have that that we still have the choice to either accept the love of Christ or reject it, to accept Jesus as our Savior and Lord or to reject him. But this idea of being saved, you know, this idea of his blood covering us and our will and, you know, uh, our will and accepting or rejecting. Can I, can I? That place of what's happening in the spirit versus where we're at practically and logically and yeah. living from. Yeah, the, this may may not even you know go to any point of clarity on that, but I, I, I did want to say something about the blood covering. And we're, the, we're in deep now. And the blood, we're, we're in deep. <laughs> yeah. this is, it's getting bloody, it's yeah, getting bloody. It um, but the, the, think about this for a moment and look at it through the context of the, the religious cultus of the tabernacle and the temple, mm-hmm. all right? And what the blood shed there was understood to do. Okay. What it was understood to do, it was understood that sin, human departure from perfection with God, uh, had a radioactive 
uh, nature to mm. it mm. that would drive away the glory, the presence, the living presence of God. Interesting. And the bloodshed was to deradiate the power of sin wow. so that the presence of God could rest. Now think about that in terms of our being cleansed, being covered by the blood. Why? In order that the Holy Spirit might rest in us awesome. as the tabernacle yeah, of God. Awesome. Now, if you're and and it's totally there if you if you understand it in that picture. So let's say that the blood covering is to cleanse us, to deradiate us from all of like the effect yeah, like of that. sin in order that God himself so might rest in us yeah. and with us and on us indefinitely. And we continue to sin. We continue to need the blood covering. And what does it do? It deradiates us so that God rests with amazing, us continually. Amazing. So that's a little different theology, but frankly, I think it's more whole and sure. more biblical than some of, you know, of, of the narrow thinking about the cleansing of sin in terms of judgment and death. Ultimately, judgment and death, judgment is coming. The judgment day is coming. But guess what? It's coming. That's right. When the Son of Man appears. That's right. When we're caught up to meet him in the air if we're still here. That's that's right. Come on. And in any case <laughs> <laughs> going up. <laughs> oh my goodness. I just think of like the dentist sucker that they put oh, in your, you totally, know, like the, the heavens. Totally. I'm sucker there. Punch. I'm there. The cosmic vacuum. Yes, I've got it. <laughs> kingdom. Yeah. All right. That's big, big word. We love kingdom. Like kingdom theology, kingdom, all this stuff. To a great degree, we're not really walking like like I think when a lot of people talk, think, think kingdom, the reason why they love it is because it, it takes it takes the context from local church Sunday to a bigger conversation that involves business and you know uh, law justice, all these different yeah. education, all these things. Yeah. Seven, seven mountains, and they're all they're they're yeah. they're only seven. Yeah. So you have like <laughs> you know it's like it's fun. You know, kingdom gives us permission <laughs> to be. To have influence outside of Sunday morning, which, right? is, which is awesome. <laughs> yeah. But to a great degree, um, so much gets lost in translation because we don't live in a kingdom ideology. Yeah. We, don't, we, don't, we don't report to an yeah. earthly king necessarily here being in America. So a lot gets lost. And I think that so many believers, they want for their Christian experience to stand for something. They want to be able to give... They want to be able to give back and make a contribution to the earth that's a lot bigger than volunteerism on a Sunday. Uh-huh. And what I'm wondering is, what are you seeing within not just a kingdom theology, but a kingdom application where people are able to be like themselves and able to function, but like, but this, but something that truly has like a kingdom fabric where, 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 because we're, 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 we're getting into a healthier mindset. But what I'm wondering is, is are you seeing like a model where people are are able to be the Christian lawyer, but really feel like he's making a contribution to the the king, where he really feels knit into the larger thing that God is doing on the earth? You know, because I'm still feeling a great, seeing a great void, and and I'm I'm preaching kingdom, I believe in kingdom, I'm inviting people, but I know there's a disconnect as far as here I am, I'm working hard, I'm doing sixty hours a week, I want this to stand for something. But how do I? But how do we do this? And how how does Darren at SRC? How do we create a truly a true apostolic platform where where it gives opportunity and, and empowerment in that? Where you know does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. And and 
you know, forgive me if 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 I bring this this aspect into the conversation, but I think it's important, and that is uh, language is language creates culture. Mm. Language carries a psychological impact and a and a perspective with it. And I think we need to be aware when we're using words that the Bible identifies in a particular way and we're modernizing them or changing them to identify something that is more a time period thing or cultural thing or experiential dynamic. I'll take the word apostolic as an example. The, the, the way apostle is used in scripture is very vastly different from the way it's used in contemporary Western Christian, uh, you know, whatever. Circles. Circles. Thank <laughs> yeah. you. Circles. Yeah. Circles and circles. Sure. Um, an apostle was one who was sent mm. for a particular task to a particular group of people at a particular time. And it could be all kinds of ranges of stuff. And, of course, you know, the apostle of apostles on, is not right. Jesus, according to what everybody says and does, which is untrue because Jesus is the apostle He's of the, the apostles. the pattern apostle, right? Yes, he Come is. On. But Paul, Paul the apostle. Sure. Not everybody was recognizing of or uh, responsible to answer to Paul's apostleship. And Paul himself said that. Hmm. He only assumed apostleship in the the churches that he had actually planted by the preaching of the gospel in a place where there was no church before. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. So I think cleaning up our language would help us clarify our vision and understand our individual mission in our regions and all of that kind of stuff. Likewise, the word kingdom. Because kingdom referred specifically to beginning to the conquering of territories Hmm. that were under the rule of men and idols other than God and the people of God. It meant conquering that territory, repossessing it, planting the people of God there, and the not the true knowledge of God was the kingdom. Wow. That you know that was then to be you know established and established in the law and the rule and so on and so forth well it you know it it traveled into the focal point of the davidic kingdom Hmm. king david his descendants his son upon a throne in israel in the midst of the people of god and we know that that is where the ultimate beginning of the mystery of the revelation of the messiah started that actually this would be a god mortal both God and mortal that wow. would come as Messiah. Wow. So you start getting the hints, and then finally John the Baptist comes and fulfills Isaiah, and then boom, we have Jesus, the God-man, um, and his kingdom. And what he says wow. about the kingdom, I, I mean, Jesus would probably go seven mountains. Huh? <laughs> 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 uh, Rome, Decapolis, what, what are we talking here? So, um, but for Jesus, he said, when when you cast out demons, the kingdom of God has come. What does that mean? The sovereign Lord just took authority over that possession, yeah. over that jurisdiction in wow. that person's soul wow. and heart and mind and whatever. Wow. Now, the king amazing. is in place and his sovereign rule has settled everything in that territory. That's amazing. So Heal- I, healing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you can just see yeah. that's beautiful. Yeah. 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 
And he, that, he, the kingdom is where Jesus is present and ruling and reigning and things are submitting to his righteous rule. Thank you. This is so helpful. You just really helped me out just now. <laughs> I needed a lot of help. You this know, was so you simple. really, yeah. Because I feel like anybody could hear that and get a pic- yeah. and get a picture for where they're already at, and, yeah. and they could get a vision for what it looks like. Yes, to bring the kingdom to massage the kingdom into yeah. that. Yeah, dynamic. We we had That's some incredible. terrific conversations just in the women's conference here in the last couple of days in a couple of really great question and answer periods. And we talked about this. Oh, you did? And wow. it just, it, the, the women on. got so excited. The ones who are working in, in, in really influential positions in uh, biz, the business world and so on and so forth. And the lights went on. That's awesome. Where they went, oh, I'm seated with Christ. I'm a member of his holy priesthood. I have the sovereign Lord reigning in me. And where I am, I bring his presence, his wisdom, his influence. That's That's easy. I can do that. That's awesome. Bonnie, you've been working so hard. I mean, and and I just appreciate you just hanging out and just chatting. You're one of my favorite people just to hang out and chat with. And Thank you, Darren. We are nuts about you and your family. Well, it's it's such an honor to be able to call you Mahesh friends and and to have you guys come in and to impart and to help us craft what the, you know, and to give language to for what the Lord's already doing and accomplishing. And so thank you. Love you so much. Thanks for making this. Thank you. What fun. Podcasts are definitely trending right now. There are so many brand new podcasts that are hitting the market. And I think that iTunes is kind of overwhelmed. And one of the ways that iTunes aggregates what's hip and relevant from the rest of the noise that's hitting the web is through ratings and reviews. A bunch of you have already taken the time to leave a rating and a review of this podcast. And I just wanted to say thanks. You guys are incredible and you're so supportive and I love you. And if you haven't had a chance to take Take that minute or two to leave a review. If you do that, that'd be incredible. And I've created a shortcut to get you there. It's thedarenshow.com. That's thedarenshow.com. You can give it one star, and that means that you think it's kind of lame. Or you can give it five stars, and that means that you think this thing be dope, be tight, be off the chain. So if you would take the minute or two to leave a review, that would be mighty fine of you. Again, it's thedarenshow.com. Thanks, guys.